Hello, everybody, and welcome to April. This recording will include practice three of uh, the transformative practice of authentic relating. And we're going to do practice four also. And why not practice five? And that will be the conclusion of chapter three of this book, uh, Conflict Equals Energy by Jason Diggs. Um, I'm getting some feedback that everything that I've covered so far to some of the people in my world, it sounds really familiar. The concepts seem familiar. The practices seem familiar. And, uh, that's good. I mean, I guess I'm surrounded by people who do their work and who are interested in relating authentically with others. If it feels like it's, uh, coming in at you as like, well, I already know that. And I already know that these principles welcome everything and assume nothing. They're, they can be more intricate um, with some deep diving. And so, for instance, the first one, welcome everything. If it feels like it's easy peasy, just take notice as you're going through your day, what are the things that you don't welcome? And start with that. Why don't you welcome them? What's the, what's the hang up? Is it some uh, something you learned in childhood? Does it feel like it's something deeper? Is it something you're just annoyed by? in your adult life because you're stressed by other things. Part of what these practices are, are tools to help you learn about yourself because the more you know about yourself, the more fully you can bring yourself into the world, which is a gift to everybody because most of us are only really partially allowing ourselves to be seen by the rest of the world and therefore only partially allowing our gifts to come through and only partially allowing our art to come through and only partially allowing our success to come through and our love to come through. So see if you can get bigger by noticing the nuances of these practices. And uh, I'm just going to jump right in here now with practice three. Reveal your experience. Once we have curiosity on our side, revealing what's under the surface of our interactions becomes more accessible. Reveal your experience is the phrase authentic relating uses to describe noticing a part of our experience and being vulnerable enough to admit it to ourselves and then to others. This means turning our attention inward to determine our feelings, wants, and needs before turning out attention outward to share in the spirit of connection. Only when we're willing to share what is going on inside ourselves can we truly begin to relate authentically with others. This is vitally important for connection. We cannot be known, felt, and seen by others if we don't reveal ourselves. Feeling disconnected from those close to us is often a symptom that we're hiding some part of our experience. We can end up feeling resentful when we keep feelings or thoughts bottled up, which eventually can create breakdowns or disconnections in the relationship. We can only receive the nourishing experience of being known by others when we have the courage to reveal ourselves to them. Sometimes the reason we hold back from sharing ourselves more fully is the fear of being received poorly. Yet more often than not, revealing something that feels awkward or inconvenient is a service to others. This sort of conversational leadership often brings people closer. 
In fact, once you take the risk of revealing your experience honestly, you might hear responses from others like, thank you for saying something. I was feeling that too, but didn't know how to share it. Even if something we reveal is received poorly, we are usually doing right for the relationship in the long run, as long as our intentions and sharing are sincere. Regardless of the outcome, this practice does require embracing discomfort. Over time, we learn to trust that if we can muster the courage to say the uncomfortable thing, our efforts will ultimately result in more connection. But as with many of the practices in this book, we must accept feeling somewhat or even deeply uncomfortable in order to achieve full aliveness and authenticity. Discomfort is part of life and is something to be celebrated along with all the other human emotions and sensations. Telling the truth can feel good and relieving once we speak it, but beforehand it often feels scary. Through the practice of Reveal Your Experience, we proactively welcome and embrace this discomfort, trusting that there can be no real connection without truth. To skillfully reveal ourselves takes practice. It's best to start out by revealing small things so that people around us can adjust to this new mode of connection. One pitfall of authentic relating can be that we suddenly start dropping truth bombs, expecting others to instantly adapt to our newfound authenticity. It's important to remember that not all the people in your life will have the same understanding and skills, and integrating them can take some adjustment on both sides. AR Power Tool. May I reveal something to you? The heart of authentic relating is our courage to express to have the hard conversation and reveal the thing we might not normally share. And the belly of authentic relating is our ability to receive, to absorb the nourishment of safety and belonging that comes with being known and seen. The question, may I reveal something to you, is often the perfect tool for both. For some of us, requesting listening and attention can already be a vulnerable request. Of course, waiting around for other people to get curious about you is also not a great strategy to be known and met. This Olin Miller quote really drives this point home. You probably wouldn't worry about what people think of you if you could know how seldom they do. In making this request, we get consent from the other in a collaborative way. Not only does it show them respect, it gives all parties the choice to invest or not in the exchange. It also is a gentle step into expressing our vulnerability, which for many of us is scary territory. Asking the question and paying close attention to the response can create a doorway for a new type of conversation in the relationship. Use this tool often and you may find people turning toward you with more softness and care. Practice four, own your experience. Now that we've discussed how to reveal our experience, let's explore the dynamic practice of taking ownership of it. Own your experience means we take responsibility both internally and externally for our thoughts, emotions, and beliefs about the world and their effects on ourselves and the people around us. Owning our experience is an art form and one of the more difficult practices of authentic relating. When we endeavor to own our experience fully, we come face to face with ourselves And looking into this mirror can be uncomfortable. This is because the way we express ourselves is a mirror of our emotional maturity. We must be prepared to love ourselves enough to take full responsibility for our own emotional growth. This is no small feat, but the effort is very much worth it. The most disempowered times of our lives are when we play the role of the victim, 
blaming people and situations around us for our feelings and circumstances. On the other hand, the most empowered times are those when we take responsibility for our experience and for our contribution to our circumstances. For example, rather than saying, you made me mad, we might say, I'm feeling angry. Are you open to me sharing how I was affected by your behavior? The difference between these two expressions is obvious. The former blames another for your experience. The latter acknowledges whatever has occurred as a co-creation between two people. In practicing owning our experience, we will inevitably encounter the part of us that doesn't want to take responsibility, the part that wants to blame, simply because it feels easier to do so. Each of us has this internal victim developed from unmet childhood needs. Getting in touch with this victim's voice can be an important step in taking more ownership in our lives. As an aside, many parents report that their children take to authentic relating quickly and easily, except for one particular practice, owning their experience. Taking responsibility for emotional states isn't something children can easily do. Their growing nervous systems are quickly overwhelmed by their emotions, so they find ways to discharge and regulate that intensity. Often this may look like blaming siblings or an external circumstance to avoid the immediate challenge of facing a self-growth moment. As adults, when we feel pressured or threatened, we may revert to more childish behaviors, including blaming others. Forgoing responsibility is a phase we all go through when we are young, but as developed adults creating healthy communities, we can and should develop a sense of accountability. Try these steps the next time you find yourself wanting to blame someone else for an experience you're having. Step one, notice how you're avoiding ownership. Become aware of words or behaviors that indicate a lack of ownership or personal responsibility. Ask yourself, how might I be judging or blaming others? Am I wanting someone or something to change to make me feel something different? Step two, ask yourself, what are my wants and needs? Once we are able to see that we not only want, but perhaps expect others to act in certain ways, we realize that getting our needs met ultimately stems from our own communication and actions. This is because only we can determine what our needs actually are. Instead of expecting others to change, we can ask, how can I create a better situation by bringing more of my own values to the table? Step three, communicate and act. As Gandhi said, be the change you wish to see in the world. With a deeper sense of our needs and our values, we can begin to act and communicate from that place. In step three, we further take responsibility to translate our insights into action. Important note on step three, Marshall Rosenberg's nonviolent communication is a model of communication and approach to living that has influenced the cultural zeitgeist toward deeper empathy and understanding over the last five decades. This has laid the foundation for using I statements, a simple practice of owning one's experience. This is a general tip around starting sentences with I instead of you. I see, I feel, I want, or I need, for example. It is true that this is a great start in taking ownership, though unfortunately this practice can be twisted to surreptitiously cast blame or shirk responsibility. For example, we can still say, I feel like you're being selfish, or I need you to stop manipulating me. As you can see, using I statements has the potential to mask blame or an unowned experience. AR power tool. Acknowledge your impact or 
admit your shit. Whenever we discuss our weaknesses honestly, at least as best we can understand them, we invite authenticity. Further, we potentially transform something that could be disconnecting into deeper connection with others. Admitting our shit is an opening to feedback, as well as an invitation for reciprocal vulnerability. And though it may sound counterintuitive, this vulnerability is where we truly grow. In facing this discomfort, we open the doorway to more fulfilling relationships, especially when there is a power differential. Acknowledging the potential impact that you have on others can have a magical effect on the relationship. With this tool, we can create a culture of authenticity even in the face of the parts of our personalities that have caused us grief. Examples. Sometimes I'm not great at details when I'm on the go. Could you help me remember to check that we have everything before the meeting on Saturday? Often I get into a serious mode when I feel stiff. I notice you laugh a lot. How do you keep a relaxed attitude? I think of myself as a good friend, but I sometimes really struggle with returning messages. Can you let me know if that impacts you in a negative way? Practice five, honor self and other. Honor self and other is an agreement of mutual respect that is necessary for any healthy connection to take root and thrive. Of course, maintaining respect and consideration for everyone is more complicated than it sounds, especially in times of conflict. Even though the ultimate goal is to be able to consistently honor both ourselves and others at the same time, many of us start out practicing these skills independently. For example, many of us have a pattern of overriding or masking our true responses and thoughts in order to feel accepted by others. We sweep things under the rug unwilling or unable to reveal ourselves. In this place, we are not truly honoring ourselves, and unfortunately, any sense of love and acceptance we might be gaining from this relational dynamic comes at the cost of our dignity, energy, and authenticity. When we find ourselves caught in this pattern, we can begin by simply asking, am I aware of my feelings and desires right now? Am I going along with others out of habit? On the other hand, some of us have developed the opposite pattern. We enter into a highly postured state in conflict situations and forget to honor others. We might be very connected with our own desires and needs in these moments, but in this more selfish place, we're more likely to make assumptions about others and disregard their experiences. When we find ourselves in this place, we can ask ourselves, am I failing to notice the others in this situation? To what degree am I in touch with their needs and feelings right now? Even if we are able to hold others' perspectives as being just as valuable as our own, sometimes the wants and needs of others will be oppositional to our own. Indeed, honor self and other doesn't mean both sides will always get their way. Rather, it's the willingness to have a constructive conversation where both are seen, heard, and validated. When we embody this practice of honoring ourselves and others, we invite dignity and humility in the face of conflict, which brings us to the formula that forms the heart of this book. If conflict equals emotional energy and dignity plus humility equals transformation, then dignity plus humility during conflict equals the transformation of emotional energy. Once we begin to view conflict as a doorway 
to greater connection, clarity, teamwork, and energy, a simple yet monumental shift occurs. The internal messages of, this should not be happening, or who is to blame here, begin to shift to, what is happening here, and what growth, connection, or clarity can come from handling this with skill. AR Power Tool, the check-in. This might be the simplest of all AR tools, yet it is surprisingly powerful in its effect. Simply allocate some time at the beginning of a hangout, party, group interaction, meeting, or even a one-to-one coffee date with a friend and use that time for a check-in. In this process, each person is given a set amount of time to speak freely about what is present for them, what's going on in their life, and what they are aware of in the present moment. Even doing this for a brief amount of time can dramatically change the tone of any interaction. Not only do we bring ourselves into the now and allow ourselves to be seen, we discover that all of us are filled with unprocessed experiences, which are obviously or subtly shaping our current realities. By spending time checking in with each person, we give our system time to shift out of whatever was happening before into what is happening now. By doing so, we release small amounts of energy which allows us to be more productive and present with each other. In professional settings, we can even create a culture of checking in, allocating one or two minutes for each person to speak before meetings. Over time, this can help to create an atmosphere of greater authenticity in our workplaces. And that brings us to the end of chapter three. And uh, chapter four, just a little preview for you, is connecting to self. So there's much, we're not even halfway through this book, and we're just getting into the good parts. So um, I look forward to sharing the next part with you soon. And come check out our other podcast, Solving Everything, anywhere you get your podcasts. You might want to search Solving Everything, Chris Adams. Or go to podjectivity.com, P-O-D-J-E-C-T-I-V-I-T-Y.com. Take care, everyone.